long time. Forever. As could I. Um, <laughs> but it is uh, 12.59 and Radio Perg is over. So um, thanks for coming on the show, Brad. If you, Thank you um, missed part of the show and you want to hear the whole show, you can check it out at the archives, www.cfru.ca. Uh, as I said earlier, next week we'll hopefully have an interview with the folks um, from Papua New Guinea. Um, stay tuned for that. And I hope you all have a lovely weekend. Bye. Extra! Extra! Read all about it in The Ontarian! The Ontarian is the University of Guelph's independent student newspaper. Hot off the press every Thursday. Get your free copy on campus and around Guelph or check us out online at www.theontarian.com. Not enough, Ontarian? Let's get social! Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at The Ontarian. Get on top of Guelph with The Ontarian. Your newspaper! Hello, my name is Arun. I host Navarang Guelph every Saturday, 11 a.m. to 12 noon on CFRU 93.3 FM. Each week, we bring Bollywood music in Hindi and Punjabi, South Asian masala and cup shop, and much more. So keep listening Navarang Guelph every Saturday. I love my India. I love my India. This week, the Bookshelf Cinema is screening The Men Who Invented Christmas, Thelma, Integral Man, Blade Runner 2049, The Breadwinner, and The Florida Project. And at the E-Bar on the 10th is The Girl Who Loved Cheese Canadian Book Launch. On the 13th is Hump Day with Athena McQueen, Ugly Sweater Party Slash Contest, and Christmas Karaoke. On the 15th is Fierce, and on the 16th is Guelph Poetry Slam as well as Hip Hop Grime Night. And stop by the green room on December 9th for a slime event with the ultimate slime book launch with an activity. The Bookshelf is an independently owned bookstore, bar, music venue, movie theater, and restaurant located at 41 Quebec Street. For more info about the Bookshelf's hours, listings, blogs, directions, accessibility, and to order books from their online store from anywhere in the world, please visit bookshelf.ca. As you're listening to the following music selections, adjust the volume, bass, and treble controls to suit your tastes. Today's episode of Android's Dungeon. It's Christmassy, it's cold out, and there's snow. So you know what that means. It's time for the cozy Christmas games roundup. Also, a discussion perhaps about a disaster is artist. Stay tuned. Welcome to CFRU 93.3 FM broadcasting out of the University of Guelph, Guelph, Ontario, Canada, etc. I am Jack. I'm Kayla. And this is Android's Dungeon, a show about games, movies, music, whatever. And it is very fun. It is a very good show. And if anyone told you otherwise, they're lying. 
They're filthy liars, and in the spirit of the Christmas season, we will allow them to continue onward <laughs> with their miserable lives. Uh, Kayla. Jack. What have you been playing recently? Well, Jack, first I just want to let our listeners know that we're both suffering from colds in case we sound awful or start coughing or sneezing on the air. Yeah, and luckily you can't get sick over the airwaves yet until I perfect that technology so I can inflict this disease upon you. So That's so nice, Jack. That's how you get on watch lists. <laughs> or, or like Pontypool. Do you remember that film? Yes. Yeah. Anyway, continue. Okay, so back to the question about what I've been playing recently. Yeah. Uh, so... Uh, recently, it's been really busy, but we've been playing Gloomhaven. Yeah, and you haven't been on the show in a little bit, so this is we true. we haven't been able to. Our our listener <laughs> has not been able to hear your thoughts on Gloomhaven. Okay. Uh, so why don't you give us a t- uh, give us a taste of your thoughts? Because um, I think we're both fairly new to the whole dungeon crawling genre as far as board games go. It's, video games wise, I think I've got a, a bit of an edge on you <laughs> with that experience. But what do you think of it so far with the the cardboard equivalent? Yeah, so Gloomhaven is overwhelming at first because it's massive. I don't think I can actually pick it up on my own. Um, so I missed your first playthrough, so I s- jumped in on the second round. So I was playing technically someone else's character, but I guess it doesn't really matter. And I loved it so much that on the way home, I asked if we could play again. And we found more people and played again. So we probably played like six hours of Gloomhaven on a single Saturday. It wasn't quick, was it? It, it did, because uh, with four players, it does seem to, mm-hmm. I don't want to say drag, but um, it, it, it's not the fastest game because there's a lot of, there are some decisions to make. And even with a fifth person sort of acting as like the, uh, I guess you could call it the computer to sort of streamline some of the monsters and the damage and stuff like that, it's still, maybe as games go on, we'll, we'll get a feel for it a little bit better. But the setup and takedown is also, like, set aside, I don't know, 20 minutes? Even with all Absolutely. our stuff. Yeah, even with all of the organizers that we've bought, yeah. it's still huge. Uh, so Gloomhaven, I think, is a great game. Mm-hmm. It's I was worried about the hype because it's it hyped up. People were tracking its shipment across the ocean from China, mm-hmm. which is kind of wild. But it's a great game. I really like it. It, um, it I think it helps that I basically saved the day and the scenario in <laughs> both games we played. In the second game, single-handedly, I might add. Well, you were the only up, person left. I was the only person left. I had the perfect um, group hurting card? I don't know. Well, yeah, mass yeah. damage. You were able to deal a, a bit of damage to double or more than one target, which was... And I, I want to—I don't want to toot my own horn, but I also did damage to the monsters beforehand that allowed you to be able to knock them out. Yes, I, I mean, I didn't win the game single-handedly, but I kind of brought it all together at the end. Well, you, you, I think you can toot your horn. You did win the game for us single-handedly because <laughs> the rest of us were all wiped out, but... Um, ignoring the the mechanics and all the rest of that stuff because we we've, we've talked about that a couple of times on the show so far. Um, what appeals to you? What 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 do you like about it from your perspective? What is it about Gloomhaven that kind of makes you uh, like want to play it again? So I mean that's kind of hard to pin down. I do like that there's a legacy aspect to it. That the more you play, the better your character gets. The better like the stronger your group gets. Mm-hmm. The more access you have to new items and to different scenarios, which inevitably things are going to get harder, but you're also going to get stronger. I like this progression through something, mm-hmm. um, whereas most games that you play, you, I mean, every game is different, but you're basically playing within the same parameters every time. 
Whereas with a legacy type game or a game that has, you know, you impact the future playthroughs of the game by something you're doing now, I find that really appealing. That's why I love Pandemic Legacy. That's why I love Risk Legacy. Mm -hmm. I think that's a really cool concept. I think you've kind of hit upon one of the reasons why I think these legacy games are... Um, I, I don't want to say becoming popular because they're, they're, as far as the amount of games that come out, there are very few legacy games. I don't know whether it's been trademarked or whether it's just this uh, idea of making a game that seems difficult for that. But it, the the persistent nature, like this, the idea that you mentioned of the game sort of staying permanently affected by your choices and mm-hmm. you being able to come back and visit those choices in some sense. Now, I think Gloomhaven is a... Maybe not as obvious, or maybe not as dramatic as something like Pandemic, where you're you're not necessarily marking up the board or you've lost a character permanently. It's it's more of a gradual progression, like an RPG where your characters are just getting stronger. And it's nice to see. I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but it's not. It's a different type of uh, continuation or legacy element per se. Yeah, it's certainly more of an evolution as evolution, opposed to I like that, yeah. changes necessarily that are happening. Mm-hmm. So it's pretty cool, and the the components are super cool. I'm sure you've already talked about that, but mm-hmm. I, there's all these characters that are still yet to be discovered, yet to be opened. Maybe we'll never open some of them. Don't but... even say such a thing. <laughs> but I, I love it. It's super cool. And the game's jam-packed. It, it's like There's you're saying. so much stuff. We, we've, we only have, what is it? You start with five characters to choose from, maybe six. And we haven't even touched two of the other characters. And there are envelope upon envelope of unopened characters. Mm-hmm. And the book of quests is... Like, what does it go up to? 98. 98. Or 95. Qu- 95. I don't want some, your nerdy listener to correct us. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would love that person to correct, uh, correct us. I think it's 95 or 98. 95, I'm, 98. I want to say 98, but And in good news, I don't want to just, like, sit here taunting our listener with, uh, with like, nah, 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 I got my Kickstarter copy. <laughs> it's the, there are rumors that it, it will be uh, hitting... Uh, retail, I think in January. Uh, I think in no- January as well. Although it's been delayed, the January is a delay. It was supposed I, to be here earlier. Yeah, yeah. So I think January is the firm. Like it, as far as I know, unless uh, some sort of uh, somebody pays some gold to someone to crack and to sink that ship, it is going to be there for uh, you plebs who didn't back it when you should have. Um, which is good news. Let's not talk about games that we should have backed and didn't, Jack. Well, I, I've been more than open about that, which is also leading to kind of reverse things where now I'm <laughs> like maybe, I'm not, I don't want to say backing too many things, but I'm definitely more... You're spending all your money. All my money. Because to make sure Kayla doesn't get any of it. Dang it. That's, that's the trick. Um, now, that said, um, the it isn't cheap. I think it will retail for about, I think I saw it on 401. Uh, just as a metric for, I think it's about $124, $125 before tax. But my friends, do not do not think you are being ripped off here. This is, if you if you break it down for the amount of like components and time you'll get out of this, $120 is a steal. They could be charging $175 for this yeah, easily. It's, I mean, they could easily be charging at least as much as the new TI-4, which is what? 160 one, Yeah. Yeah, it's in... Th- you, you just don't don't overthink it. If you have any interest in dungeon crawlers whatsoever, um, people who like Descent have said they're never going back to Descent again after touching Gloomhaven. Um, people who like cooperative games, uh, I think, will be very very happy with this. And I, I'm almost disappointed we didn't get to see uh, have a chance to play with Justin and Natasha. I think they would have. Uh, not that they're gone forever. It's like no. they blast off to Mars. But before they, we just won't be able to take the game on the plane <laughs> it's, it's too heavy it's like 20 pounds of game yeah 22 pounds of of game it's nuts so that's good i'm glad you're enjoying it and i look forward to 
Uh, maybe we'll get some in this weekend. We'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens. But yeah. yeah, that would be fun. Now, something else that we have played, and this was a while ago, and unfortunately we didn't get a chance to discuss it because Cal and I are the only ones who've had a chance to play it out of everyone I know. Uh, but Clans of Caledonia, we got to play this a little while ago, and uh, it, we just haven't had a chance to sort of pick each other's brains about it. But, uh, Kayla, do you want to describe to our listener sort of Clans of Caledonia and what you're doing in it? Okay, uh, I might struggle, but I will try I'll back my best. You up. Okay, so Clans of Caledonia, we played this probably a month or two ago now, mm-hmm. maybe a month. Yeah. Um, played it twice in one weekend. Really good game. Um, Clans of Caledonia, you take on a clan in Scotland. So, for example, in the first game, I took on the Campbell clan. That just also happens to be my um, family's clan, which is pretty cool. Traitors, Campbells. Keep that in mind. Yeah, okay, thank you. Um, and each clan <laughs> has a special ability. And then, uh, so factoring in the special ability, after that, it's basically just a resource management game. Yeah, that's, it's, I think people have described it similar to sort of like a Martin Wallace game or mm-hmm. or Terra Mystica, for example. Right. And um, I don't really, can't really get into the mechanics of the game because I don't remember. But what I do remember is that the components of the game are amazing. It's, Everything is yeah. so cool. There's all these little um, tokens for different resources. There's metal coins, which are so delight, cool. It's so never go back. We just got the metal coins for Scythe. And we haven't even tested them out yet. We yeah. haven't yet, but uh, we never go back. They just feel so good. You just, they you, sound good. I've said this before, but you just kind of sit there just kind of going, tick, 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 like it's building the stack. Like kind of what you do with poker chips where you kind of put them up and you drop them down on top of each other again. But it, the component quality in Clans of Caledonia, I think I have, I have zero complaints whatsoever. And mm-hmm. it's uh, the board is bright and colorful and it scales nicely as far as I can tell. Even though we haven't played it with more than two, I'm just saying it, it looks, if anything, two is the, the weakest version of the game because the, the board is cr- more cramped. They, they mm-hmm. close off spaces on that. But basically what you're doing is you adopt a role, like Kayla was saying, of one of these clans, uh, traditional clans of uh, Scotland, and each one has their own special ability. So um, let's say like your clan, uh, I think it was Mackenzie, and you guys are brewers, so you make uh, whiskey, and that's you get bonus points when you're uh, making or selling whiskey, or there's Buchanan, a Buchanan, that uh, is good at fulfilling contracts and so on. So there's a bunch of different clans and they're all good at different things and you want to try to specialize in the sense of what they're good at. Um, the parallels between Terra Mystica start to show up is because there's neighboring bonuses. So you have this map of hexagonal spaces of Scotland and as you build stuff, if you build something in a space that touches one of your opponent's places, you can buy things from them or get things at a discount. So if your friend is really good at making cheese or your neighbor's really good at making cheese and you expand into their territory, you can buy some cheap cheese off them after you expand into them, and vice versa, they can build into you. And to compound all this, there's this neat little stock market, or very uh, rudimentary market, where uh, when you buy things, the price goes up. When you sell them, the price goes down. So you're trying to maximize your profits and figure out when to sell and when to buy. Um, It all flows very, very nicely, and I thought it was a joy to play. Um, my only worry is that some of the clans, I'm starting to hear more about this, are imbalanced and people are complaining mm-hmm. about them. But part of the issue is that when it's kind of like a scythe thing. When people, when everyone's complaining about imbalance and everyone is saying each race is imbalanced in some way, then perhaps it's not an imbalance issue, but it's the fact that people are just playing them improperly or they found issues. But 
Um, I think you did feel maybe the the one time you weren't too happy with yeah. your clan. The Camel Clan was very strong the first game that we played. The second round, I don't remember who I had, but I didn't like them. Yeah. And it's they weren't as good. I think you had uh, Buchanan the second time. and Possibly. And part of their thing is that they're good at fulfilling contracts, but if the contracts all stink on the board, yep. it's kind of like, well, now I'm kind of gimped with my, my gameplay, mm-hmm. so I'm stuck kind of playing at a disadvantage, whereas somebody has a more versatile clan that kind of gives you a good direction to go through regardless. But we'd have to give it a few more tries really to kind of mm-hmm. narrow or down our opinions on it. But as far as Kickstarter games go, I'm pretty happy with it so far. It's a really good game. Um, I was going to mention that with Kickstarter because there are also a couple tiles and a couple clans that are maybe a clan. Yeah. That was Kickstarter. Exclusive. The, yeah. So the Kickstarter backers chose these. So there is a caveat that they could, they may not be compatible with the rest of the rules or it might imbalance the game. So if you play with those, like you're taking that risk on yourself. Exactly. And to be fair, it's, I think... In certain cases, now let's say if you're playing a Grickler for something that has their actual tournaments and people that are obsessive about these sorts of games, any sort of perceived imbalance is going to show its head very quickly because people are going to min-max these games uh, to an extent that I am just not capable of with only a couple plays under our belt. But I think it's very difficult to argue that something's imbalanced when you only have, maybe like in our case, only two games under our belt. But even if you played 12, I'd still be thinking... Is that enough to really think it's imbalanced? What play counts? How many different... What's the interaction between the two? I'd take your uh, word definitely like under consideration, but it's tough to say. But again, Kickstarter, Gloomhaven, Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. It's really... Pretty solid Kickstarter. Yeah, the Kickstarter lineup is mm-hmm. becoming um, more and more pronounced. That's not to say that there aren't tons of new releases that are coming out every year from regular publishers, but it's not to say either that just because it's Kickstarter, it's it's like into the bin because somebody decided to just throw money at some goofy looking. But yeah, and they have like cl- they both have really great production value. Clans of Caledonia is amazing. I think mm-hmm. we said this already. We posted about 1,000 pictures of it mm-hmm. on the Instagram account because That's right. it's so pretty. Quick interruption, Kayla. Can you please give a shout out to our Instagram account? Um, yes, go follow it. No, sorry. Uh, Andrew's Dungeon does have an Instagram account where we will provide stories so little videos and pictures of the games that we're playing on a regular basis and also post uh what we're going to be talking about on the show and just games that we're playing it's uh androids dungeon radio or androids dungeon on cfru if you're looking for the uh username or sure user profile and we've also got a twitter account on the uh, off chance that you care about Mm -hmm. twitter whatsoever uh ad radio cfru or is it just AD Radio? I can't even remember. I think it's AD Radio. Yeah. So just look us up, and you'll see us there, yeah. too. The that, Instagram account is definitely a little bit more colorful. The Inst- you know what? It's nice to look at, too. Mm-hmm. It's it's Compared to Twitter, which just feels so cold in general and sort of, like, filled with crud, the Instagram account. And this isn't me shilling Instagram by any stretch of the imagination, but it, it does. it is more fun to look at. So Absolutely. There's also sometimes cats appear on the Instagram. <laughs> cats really like board games. Did you know this? They do. I've noticed a direct correlation between the amount of likes you get <laughs> and cats and with the pictures, which is Aww. a neat experiment. Or maybe I need to start wearing skimpier outfits and uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> taking pictures. I mean, it helps that the cats are really cute. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. But for example, when we <clears throat> got Gloomhaven, we uh, posted some videos of actually opening it up, so... Yeah, that was fun. Yeah. They're not available anymore because stories expire. But if you want to see what Gloomhaven looks like because you haven't seen it and you haven't been on the internet, go check out our Instagram because it has and that's right. all kinds of photos. And, and I'm, I will go out on a limb. And I think we are the 
we're the only place on the internet where you can find pictures of what Gloomhaven looks like. So this is exactly true. The it, only place. You have to follow us. Yeah, so don't waste your time Googling mm-hmm. stuff or look just no. just go into Instagram and look us up because yeah. that's the only place you'll find information exactly. about our games. The games we talk about folks. And like if there's games that you want to see pictures of, you could send us a message too. That's a thing. On Instagram. <laughs> you can you can send us messages on Instagram. Direct message, DMs, whatever. That's uh, a real thing. Is it? Yes, I'm not making this up. Okay, that's fine. Um, all right, so I think what we'll do is we're going to pivot a little bit to um, the subject of games still, but we're going to talk about. <laughs> we're still going to talk about games. We're going to we're going to narrow the focus a little bit because okay, it is it is Christmas time. It is cozy outside. Chuck, it's holiday time. Holiday time. It's whatever sort of uh, pagan festival you just choose to celebrate. It's uh, wintry. It's, it's snowy. It was snowing as we came into the way. studio. Yeah, so what that means, Kayla, is that it's time to get cozy and play some games. Yes. And I'm yes, not talking about any games. I'm talking about games that appeal to this time of the year when it's cold outside and you've got the fire going. You've got cuddled up cats maybe snoozing. Uh, in their cat condos <laughs> nearby. Some Christmas cookies. Christmas cookies. Uh, God forbid you're drinking that foul mulled wine. Or eggnog and rum. Eggnog and rum. Or maybe you're just drinking, you know, just a, a, a nice uh, glass of gin on the rocks. and just. Uh, but you're cozy. You're cozy. Mm-hmm. What sort of games would you recommend people play? So we're going to, Kale and I are going to go back and forth. Yep. I've got some. Kale's got some. And I have two categories. Two, oh, my goodness. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, uh, Kel, what are your categories? So, my categories are, um, so, it's all themed around, you know, winter and cold and being snowed in. Is mm-hmm. really what I think about. Like, what am I going to play if we're snowed in? That's a good I like that. Thank you. I thought you might. So, my, for, my categories are, like, uh, more, like, traditional board games that you and I could play mm-hmm. or us and our close friends could play. And then my second is more... Um, party and family games. Okay, I like this. So you've yeah. kind of you went in a different direction. That was. Uh, I know. So I'm happy. I'm fine with, this. with that. So all right, give us your your number one. Okay, so the very first one on my list, it's pretty um, obvious, or was obvious for Jack what I was going to pick, and this is Ticket to Ride Nordic. Oh, the Nordic <laughs> Ticket to Ride. <laughs> so this, I mean, this could be classified in the the family board game category that's no problem um but this is but uh, i'm not sure about that because ticket to ride nordic uh for those of you who have haven't played it one uh all the snow all the trains are snow covered it's super adorable there's ba- it's basically santa claus on the cover of the box yeah it's, it's like he's a guy with a beard and he's got a like a, a hat with a ball at the end of it doesn't it and yeah like, he's santa claus yeah. or chris kringle i guess I'm or some sure. sort of like weird german elf yeah representation could of be it. many of these things yeah so, um, so it's your standard typical to ride or ticket to ride, but it's set in the Nordic countries and it's maximum three player and it is super cutthroat. It's, it's the meanest ticket to ride game you'll ever play, mean. I think. Now, I haven't played road, uh, or, uh, Rails and Sails in no, Germany, so maybe they've made it meaner maybe. in those ones. I don't think so. It's not possible. Nordic is just, it's, it's tough with two players. It's hard, hard, hard with three. Yeah. Um, Jack, have you ever won Ticket Dry Nordic? No, I haven't, Kayla. Thank you for, thank you for asking, though. I'm just curious. <laughs> anyway, so this one is obviously very perfect for winter and holidays because it has Santa Claus on it and it's snow covered. 
and it's one that you can just get cozy with. And you you, you get you have this vision. It's like you're going through the Alps and yeah. stuff, and it's borderline murder on the Orient Express, perhaps. Even though not the same area, but it just like if you ever seen the movie or read the book, it's just all the snowy locales mm-hmm. and these old trains, and uh, it's just it's cozy, Kayla. It's, it's cozy. cozy. <laughs> you just want to have a good time with it. Yeah. So that's the first one on my list. Okay. Good. All right, so I'm going to go in a slightly uh, different direction. Um, my choice is a, a f- perennial favorite on Android's Dungeon, and that is Scythe. Jack, that was on my list too. Oh, we have a crossover. We'll <laughs> see. We'll see where Scythe shows up on Kale's list. Then. Okay. Uh, so Scythe, I don't need to spend too many words talking about it. Probably uh, none. This Euro, Euro that's dressed up as a four X, but it's not. Uh, but the theme of it is pure, pure cozy Christmas mm-hmm. uh, because it is Eastern Europe and it's, it's, it appears winter most of the time, maybe, bef- uh, maybe a bit after, maybe a bit before, but there's a lot of snow and a lot of people looking cozy, a lot of mm-hmm. fires, lots of hus- uh, rusted uh, mech hulks that are uh, kind of lounging around. But as far as coziness goes, I think you can so do worse because it looks very pretty. It plays nicely. Mm-hmm. The board is gorgeous when you set it up and the player mats and everything about that. So if I had to make a choice, I would put Scythe at my number five of cozy Christmas games. Number five? Not number one? No, five. I'm working my way down to number okay, one. Okay, I started at one. You did your best first? Yeah, I did. <laughs> okay, well, it only gets worse from here, folks. <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't really rank them. It's just the one I wrote down first. Okay. It was more just like a list of things that I thought of. No, it works still. Okay. Okay, Fine. so Scythe for me. Okay, good. Next one on my list, number two on my list. Or number four, depending on <laughs> Well, Nordic would be number one then, so whatever. Anyways, <laughs> number two on my list is uh, Patchwork. Okay, um, Movie Rosenberg's Patchwork from yeah. So Patchwork, you're most. I think we've talked about the show before. It's a yeah. really cute two player. You're p- putting together a quilt. What's cozier than a quilt? Mm-mm. Nothing. Nothing. Basically nothing. So everything goes under a qu- quilt and exactly. gets cozy. So that's what I expect. Like uh, you know, you're cozied up on the couch under a quilt, building yeah. a quilt. It's pretty cute, and you can have tea with a quilt. There's just endless cozy opportunities. And the game plays so nicely and so quickly. Mm-hmm. And there's this again. Part of something that I love doing in games, and I, I've talked about this before, is I love seeing the board changing and evolving in mm-hmm. front of you. And there's something so satisfying about sliding in those, those what do they call them, tetroid or tetrazoid pieces and filling in those gaps and mm-hmm. getting your 7x7 seven seven and uh, and just linking them all together and just having enough money, hopefully, to not go broke at the end. I think you won the last time we played. I did definitely we, did. Don't yeah. even think. Ye- I did. Which is weird because I thought I was I was doing really well, but we both had. Uh, I had tons of money. Yeah, you were, you did really well with the mm-hmm. cash. I thought I had you. Uh, so patchwork, Kayla's number two. For me, my number two. I'm gonna go to into the computer game world for a second here. Now this one is an interesting choice. It's a personal choice. It's not something that you would be necessarily doing with other people. But for me, I like to around this time of the year get bundled up, this is, you're on holidays, uh, you've got free time, and you're cozy, so you go load up the computer, and you boot up the greatest computer game of all time, the greatest PC game of all time, which is Deus Ex. Um, It is a first-person shooter RPG adventure game uh, developed by Ion Storm in what year? 2000. 
1999, and uh, you take on the role of J.C. Denton, a uh, nano-augmented spy working for a U.N. government agency in this sort of futuristic world where every conspiracy that you can think is true, and it is incredible. The dialogue is rich, the worlds are incredibly deep, and you feel like you're really going through and enjoying these these well-thought-out areas, and it is just a joy to play. And the fact that people are continuing to support it, the mod community is very, very active, and you can play it now in something called GMDX, which stands for Give Me Deus Ex, and it just makes everything a dream and a joy to play so for me it is a an annual adventure and it's a christmas thing it's a it's a holiday thing because you just get cozy and you just fall into this lovely world again so for me deus ex number two on the or number four excuse me on the pc see you want to start at the top two you have me confused uh-huh okay so the next one on my list we've already talked about scythe scythe cozy that's all i got Give us another one. Do you have more? Do you have extras? I have more. I have more. I have more. Okay, so the next one on my list after Scythe was, and not necessarily maybe after Scythe, maybe tied with Scythe, uh, Caverna. Okay, or good. Or Cave versus Cave. I put okay, all right, all right. So Caverna, another Uwe Rosenberg right after Patchwork. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, why is Caverna cozy for you? So I think Caverna is cozy for me because it's was probably one of the first games that we played a lot of together and so it's kind of just like more sentimental than anything but also dwarves in caves with animals how could you not be cozy about that I think like there's it's even so a cute. snuggling cave there or is a snuggling or like a cuddling, cuddling cave. cave there's a cuddling it. cave for, or a cuddling room for sure yeah. so it's just it's super cozy it's cute it's something that I love I love cave versus cave for how scaled down it is but still kind of keeping the things that I love about Caverna without having to fully set up Caverna yeah even though having the broken token insert helps a lot. Yeah, quick little shout out to broken token on that one. Yeah, so uh, I love Caverna. I think it's a great game. It's been a long time since we played, actually. But the problem with Caverna, and it is our, it was our first heavy game. I think that's what it mm-hmm. was. Was that it was? I remember picking it up and just being excited as hell. And uh, I remember when we were playing it, I felt like you were not having the best time. It that's took not us, true. It took us a while, I think, to figure out what we were doing. Maybe a couple you things were wrong. Just explaining the rules wrong. <laughs> this is one hundred percent your fault. But it is a. Um, the problem with Caverna is it's is one it's a step in the evolution for uh, Uve. So you go from Agricola to Caverna, and then you have a couple side projects, and then you get to my number three, which is my cozy winter game, Feast for Odin. I was gonna put Feast on my list, but I didn't. I'm glad that you did. Feast for Odin is the next step. Everything I think it is it is Uve's best game to date, and. I say this because I'm not a huge Agricola fan. I love Caverna. Um, we've played a bunch of his other stuff. But for me, Feast Roden just feels like everything that he's been working toward thrown into this gigantic, gigantic box. And it is so much fun to play. And you, you feel like every time you're done, how could I have done better? How could I have done things differently? And there's just enough randomness. There's just enough adventuring. There's just enough changes to it that you're not just playing this like automation of do everything the same way every time you you change it up and that's where the the admittedly maybe a little underdeveloped occupations come in but in general it's just so much fun to play and it, it looks and plays beautifully so feast for odin is really a tremendous little game that i think he's going to be he's chasing that dragon for me from now on so feast for Solid odin choice. number three i like it kayla 
Okay, so we're getting to the end of my list. This is kind of a weird one. I don't know how to explain why it's cozy or why I put it on the list. Um, but I kind of had trouble because there's just so many games that I love and I kind of got to the point where um, cozy for me meant things that I love and just wanted to play if we were snowed in. Yeah. Uh, so I put five tribes on the list. Okay. Five tribes. A very cozy game. Mm-hmm. We both... Think about it, it's a good choice because it's a very personal choice because I think we play it a lot and we're both we both know exactly what we're doing more or less with mm-hmm. it and you put it down and it just feels fun it's just like the 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 tangible colorful very it's, colorful you're picking up the meeples I, the bag oh I love all the meeples that's probably why I like it so much because I love meeples yeah I love meeples there I love meeples in every game I love meeple earrings <laughs> meeples are great there they are outstanding so. And there's also, I think there's a, there, I think there's one expansion for Five Tribes we don't even have yet. Really? Oh, that's out. Oh. Or, but we, we haven't even tried the Thieves of Nikala yet. That's true. We also had the, I think we, the, we the picked up a Tiny Gods expansion I for it as so well too. that we can add to it. But, but good, good choice. It is. Thank you. Um, I think we'll do a quick run through of it, just uh, not to belabor it too much. But basically, what you're doing is you have this world of uh, sort of imagine Agrabah from Aladdin. And it's spread out about, and you've got all these randomly shuffled up tiles. And what happens is you have this bag of all these different types of meeples, and there's each one of them is colored differently. Not each one of them, but there's different tribes of meeples in there. And what you do is you shake them all up, and you randomly put down three on every of these tiles. And what you do is at the start of your turn, you pick a tile, and you pick up all three, and you have to drop, move them around, and you have to end... Uh, you put one down in each square you go away from, and you have to drop the same colored one wherever you end. So each one of these does something differently. So if I end with, let's say, a green meeple, I get to go to the market. And for each, you pick up all the green meeples that you leave behind. So let's say I pick up a green, a blue, and a red. I drop the red, I drop the blue, and I drop the green. And where I dropped them, there were another two greens. So both those greens disappear, put them in the bag. And then I fulfill the action associated with the green, which in this case is going to the market. And you get to take two cards. And without going too deep in the details, cards are set bonuses. Blue ones are building bonuses based on the numbers written on tiles. Reds are the, the assassins. And you can snipe meeples either in front of another player or on spaces. And if you are the last person, so if you get rid of all the meeples on a space with your pickup action, you get to claim that space and you get to put one down one of your... Uh, adorable looking camels and you've also got palm trees you've got palaces and they all give you tons of points and it's a point salad absolutely crazy but a lot of fun some people have described it as being too random and I think if you don't play the game enough um, it can feel very random or that you're you don't have many choices to kind of go into but the more you play it the more you can kind of roll with it you have to you have to be like water you have to flow with the game. You can't just be rigid and expect things to work for you. So, very good choice, Kill. Thank Five you. tribes. Um, my choice for number four is uh, going back to the computer again. And this one is a game from, I think, 98. Uh, maybe 99. And it is a definitive uh, third-person action game for the computer. It was also on the PlayStation and maybe the Xbox. Who knows? And that is Max Payne. And it was a third-person shooter by Remedy Entertainment. And its whole gimmick was um, bullet time in the computer game. 
taking what the Matrix did where you slow down time and you add in John Woo-esque gunplay. And I was talking about this on the last show because I was reminded about this why I've started playing it again and how much I realize how much I love this bloody game. But the reason I put it down as cozy is the game is set in New York in the middle of the winter and there's this giant blizzard that's shut down the city. And you're running around as this detective framed for murder, uh, gunning down mobsters and corrupt... Uh, um, I don't know what you want to call them, uh, corporate <laughs> entities and pharmaceutical companies and whatnot. And it is tons of fun. The gunplay is still great. Runs like a dream. Needs a bit of tweaking, I think, on modern machines to get working out of the box. Um, but the voice acting and the uh, comic book style cutscenes look and sound great. And it is a classic game. It's very reasonably priced too, and it is just a cozy experience. It's it's winter in the game. It's winter now. Have some tea, bundle up on your chair, and just uh, enjoy the experience. So Max Payne is my number two. Kayla. Okay, so like I mentioned, I had more than one category. I actually have three at this point. Um, <laughs> the categories are breeding while we're not looking at them. <laughs> I'd have to say what happened. So um, I'm gonna include. My next category has two games in them, so I'm going to talk about both of them. But my next category is games I'd want to play if we were snowed in with a bunch of friends. Okay, good. Okay, so pretty common games that we've talked about on the show before. Games that people know, um, Telestrations and Captain Sonar. Perfect. Telestrations, Pictionary, except... Uh, broken Telephone meets broken Pictionary. Broken Telephone, Pictionary. Mm-hmm. Tons of fun. I don't think I've ever seen it played no, and people not have a good hilarious. time with it's it. It's amazing. Uh, don't... Maybe put it out there after people have had a couple drinks, and it's you can really, yeah. really see the the fun uh, start. Now, Captain Sonar is outstanding, and there is a map with icebergs on it. Like yeah. you can only come up um, in the pockets that the ice has made. Exactly. So, part of okay. the gimmick is when you when you take too much damage in Captain Sonar, you need to uh, and you you need to stop and surface and basically when you're surfacing you're giving your engineer time to run around like a madman on the ship and fixing things except when you surface can you do that noise again? (laughs) okay that's the fixing noise got it Uh that's the sound of steam Uh, on a sub? oh yeah absolutely Kayla okay anyway when you surface all your stuff goes away but there's a mini game where your entire team has to stop what they're doing and they have to draw an outline around the ship and they have to pass it down pass it down but if you surface in a space that is not broken ice, your sub has to break through the surface, and it's rough on the ship, so you take a damage to it. You can never repair damage. So it, it just feels cold, too. You can mm-hmm. feel like you're you're playing Hunt for Red October, or uh, <laughs> not that you're really playing Hunt for Red October, but you're in a submarine game, and it's cold in the ocean. It's cold when there's icebergs, and it is a great, great party game. I don't think it's going to work every time with every group, but if you get the... I think mm-hmm. if you have critical mass in the sense that more people know how to play it than don't, you're going to have a good time. Absolutely. If you're the only one who knows how to play, it's you a might have a good time, but it's... I've seen it... It's also painful and drags on forever. Yeah, it, you need people to be playing it, like, don't yeah. try to min-max it, just have some fun with it. Yeah, That's, Captain Soda should not take more than 40 minutes. Yeah, no, absolutely. Any, if it's dragging, you're in trouble. Yeah, I've been there, done that. And one thing to also say, if you, if you know how to play it or you want to play it here's a piece of advice make sure you are strict with two things one if somebody else stop they don't get two minutes to figure out that they couldn't stop or they what they want to do punish them punish them shame them shame them and the other thing too is to be firm with 
issuing orders. So when somebody says, go west, make sure everyone says, I, 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 go down the line. And also, related to the first part, it, the game gets so much better when the captain checks with the engineer to make sure the directions they can go are good. So you don't have the captain going west, the engineer saying, don't do that, and the west is, no, no, never mind, not doing west. It, believe me, it's way more fun when you have to communicate, when you have to actually uh, play the game properly. So Captain Sonar and Telestrations, very, very good choices. Uh, Alright, so I'm going to go to my number one right now. And believe it or not, it is a crossover of sorts with something Kayla did. Mine is Ticket the Ride Europe. That is my... Your number one cozy game? That is my number one cozy game. Wow. Because I knew you were going to do Nordic. (laughs) And uh, for me, Ticket the Ride is just one of these games that is just so fun and I play with my family I think I got it for Christmas one year and it's something that for the most part everyone understands it's very very simple you the rules take two seconds to explain and the excitement of laying down those trains and hearing the plastic trains kind of going up on the board and getting those points off that they were wooden trains trains I think in general how about this I'm gonna you do one do one more thing and I'm gonna come back with okay. something else. So but Ticket the Ride Europe okay. uh, is my number one cozy game. Okay. So the last category that I have is uh, games that I play with my family at the holidays. Okay. So uh, this is my extended family, my close family, everyone. Uh, so I'm gonna just say three games. Not explain them because if you don't know what they are then yeah. you have problems. So Euchre. Euchre. Crocono. Crocono. Trivial Pursuit. Trivial Pursuit. Sorry, I need to add a fourth. Poker. Do <laughs> you actually play poker with your family? Yeah, every year we used to have a uh, tournament on Boxing Day. Oh, interesting. Yes. For money, real money. Not fake money. Real money. Two hundo? Three? Like, tons of money. <laughs> so, yeah. Those are my games that we play as family. Crocodile is, is an interesting choice because it's, I love it's oddly popular with a lot of different people. And it's it, a it's good a, game. As far as I know, it is a Canadian game, isn't it? It's uh, uh, I don't know. I could find out. Yeah, it's, I think it's Canadian for some reason. And uh, definitely something that you'd be surprised in Canada that everyone has a grandparent or somebody who has a crocodile board somewhere, which is this weird hexagonal board with pins and nubs, and you're, you're flicking these little wooden discs into holes and trying to get close enough. So, okay, quick Google here, because yeah. that's how this works. Um, so, Crocono, Ontario, as far as they know, originated in Perth County, Ontario. There you go. So, Perth County also is my home county. I'm from Perth East, which is in Perth County. Here you go, folks. So, there's no, like, no wonder that we love playing Crocono. OG it totally Crocono makes here, yeah. so much more sense. Very interesting. I grew up playing it a little bit with my uh, my grandparents. I It was more just a flicking game. A game to flick. I know Kale's parents are sharks when it comes to this thing. Her father seems to have some sort of insane little thumb action that goes on there. Yeah, my mom's also really good. Yeah. Um, Euchre. I've definitely seen Kale's family and extended family playing Euchre, and it gets intense. <laughs> there is a lot of, uh, let's just say... Um, uh, poor sportsmanship. That's not true. Is with regard to winning and losing. <laughs> no, well, it's not. Uh, okay, sure. <laughs> Let, let's just say the term showboating can, can, can be <laughs> We're applied. just not very good winners. That's all. <laughs> it, you know how in the NBA when you dunk so hard that the, the glass shatters? <laughs> or, or in the NFL when 
there's this elaborate choreography after a touchdown. And then they get a fine. <laughs> and they get a fine. If there were fines handed out for showboating, <laughs> I think in Kelsman for Euchre, there would be there'd be no money. There'd be no Christmas that year. <laughs> That's my experience with it. Uh, so there you have it, folks. We have a list of some cozy Christmas games. Mm-hmm. By no means uh, exhaustive, but it's just most of them are very personal to us. Um, if you have any suggestions or any tips on cozy Christmas games that you or your family like to enjoy or you personally love or that you think are just thematically on point, um, submit them to us uh, on Twitter, 80 Radio, CFRU, or our Instagram account, uh, 80 Radio. What is it, Instagram again? Um, don't say Dead of Winter, whatever you do, though. Don't troll me. I can't handle it. <laughs> it's it Just don't put Dead of Winter, and I'll be happy. So on that note, we're going to take a quick musical break, and we'll be back in a moment to have a quick little chat about a flick that just came out. Stay tuned.
CFRU 93.3 FM. What you just heard was the most holiday-ish <laughs> music you could have listened to this time of the year, which is the uh, main titles from, uh, I think it's 1980, uh, The Shining, which I always feel is a Christmas movie. Uh, not directly in the sense of uh, something like Die Hard, which is objectively a Christmas movie, but The Shining for me is just, it's usually the holidays, it's usually very snowy. And it's cozy film because it's about a person who is literally snowed in <laughs> at uh, his job with his family, and he gets cozy and goes crazy and tries to murder them. So, what's what's more fun for the holidays than uh, The Shining? Uh, main titles by Wendy Walter Carlos. I think Walter Carlos at that point, but I could be wrong. Um, just an outstanding film too, and that persists today because it is just so so strange and I think genuinely creepy it's not scary but it is creepy uh, I think the the main criticism when it came out was that Jack Nicholson just goes from zero to crazy within like the first 20 minutes of the movie so there's really no no amp up for the average person but I think in the when the more you watch it the more you think about it the uh, it, the more it makes sense as far as this unhinged fellow who's possibly a, a dangerous alcoholic is just he's he's always crazy no matter what you're saying so anyway the shining my holiday film uh one of them at least even though i've got some more traditional ones up there but i think next week we'll talk about we'll do our holiday movie roundup and we'll see what we're just saying um so kale and i just saw some a flick last night that uh i think we both have different sort of views on for different reasons <coughs> but we got to see uh, the Disaster Artist, starring, we sure did. starring James Franco and his other Franco, his brother. I don't know. Well, I Dave. Think Dave I think Franco. His name's Dave. Yeah, I was gonna. I was gonna use Dave as just my generic. No, I think his name's actually Dave. <laughs> Dave Franco. Oh, I uh, hope he's not listening and like thinks that we don't care. Oh no, I care about Dave Franco. I think he's. I think he's a charming fellow, uh, not nearly as uh, psychotic looking as uh, or psychotic acting as his brother. But they're both talented people, no doubt about it. Um, so The Disaster Artist is this strange meta film uh, about the making of uh, arguably the best worst movie ever, The Room, uh, by Tommy Wiseau. And if you've seen The Room, you don't need to have any explanation. If you haven't, um, the, the quick rundown is that um, this eccentric uh, man from Louisiana, as far as he's concerned. <laughs> uh, Doesn't sound like he's from Louisiana. <laughs> sounds like he's from... Somewhere Eastern in Europe, Europe. <laughs> <laughs> but he's he's from New Orleans. <laughs> yes, um, with a bottomless pit of money. With a bo- with an, nobody knows, and I haven't done enough research on it, so maybe it has been cracked, and they just put that in there for some reason. But seems to have an infinite source of money, and uh, who wants to be an actor, even though he's very strange looking and he's very strange sounding, and he has no acting uh, capabilities Ability. that we're yeah. aware of. <laughs> And he partner he find meets this uh, fellow named Greg, played by Dave Franco, and he basically falls into this world of Hollywood filmmaking. And um, 
what happens is after being turned down, he decides to make his own movie uh, with a script he wrote and that he has produced and he's directing. And uh, it is a it is a passion project. And long story short, it is a totally ridiculous turd of a movie that um, is one of the most unintentionally hilarious films you'll have ever seen. And it's astounding that it ever got made because it's just absolutely ridiculous. And this movie is an attempt to sort of dramatize the behind the scenes or the making of of the room and um, starring Dave Franco as Greg and James Franco as Tommy Wiseau. Uh, I've seen the room only once. I'm not a huge fan. I think it's entertaining, but I'm not one of these these cultish adherents to it that uh, there was. Oh, it's one of the greatest movies of all time. Greatest movie. Right? It, it was funny. I enjoyed it. And it's it's bizarre, but um, I was never crazy about it. Kayla has never seen the room. This is true. So, what were your thoughts on watching a making of movie of something you had never seen and had no sort of cultural cachet for you? I, I mean, I think I would have related to it more had I seen The Room, mm-hmm. but I thought it was a really good movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think James Franco was fantastic. I, I loved the end. I don't mm-hmm. want to spoil for anyone, but and is it spoiling if I tell them what happened during the credits? No, not at all. Okay, so if you are really concerned about spoilers, then don't listen. But they do this really cool comparison of various scenes that they showed in the movie with scenes that were in the original room. And they compare, like, the actor to what's happening. And it's amazing. Like, Franco, for example, did... Or James Franco, specifically, mm-hmm. did a great job imitating uh, Tommy. Yeah, um, he... It's like their their movements their words the way they say it it's like you see them side by side and they're identical if you, he if, did a great job playing if there's it. any takeaway from this it's that franco has done a spot-on impersonation of of tommy wiseau like and and if anything i was a little worried because at the beginning all i could see was james franco doing a, a character and it was kind of bugging me but after a while he just slips right into it and it's all you don't even see him anymore he just becomes this <clears throat> this Wiseau uh, caricature. And I mean caricature in a, a generous sense. I'm not saying it's a, it's a bad impression by any stretch. He just nails it. He's got the mannerisms. He's got the voice. Um, it, it's it's an interesting movie because it's, it's very watchable, but I think the most compelling parts are just the parts where you're actually seeing the the movie being made. The friendship parts are interesting, but the the insanity of the of Wiseau and just his his evolution into this control freak as the movie goes on. He becomes insanely jealous of Greg and just starts lashing out at people and treating his cast very poorly. Um, I thought, to me, it was interesting. And the movie takes a little while to kind of wind up to this stuff. But in general, I think it's... The movie itself is okay, but it's just... You, you're going to see it for James Franco because mm-hmm. he's just so compelling. He's you, so good. You're, you're watching him. He just disappears into it. And yeah. It's, it's a funny movie. There's lots of laughable moments in it. And... Uh, you were laughing the whole time. Yeah, I was chuckling the the entire time. It's just the there's a big supporting cast, it, and it's almost distracting to be honest. Of because if you're seeing someone James Franco, he's got all his buddies. Yeah, and you kind of go through, and Seth Rogen has a main role as a, the script. Uh, I forget the term he's got. Runner. Script runner, mm-hmm. or he's basically sort of directing when Tommy Wiseau isn't yeah. behind the camera, and he's making sure the script's right. Um, you have uh, uh, Rob Corddry's brother is like I don't know what he is director of photography or something and and going through that you're just picking up on these characters that show up from other things and they just happen to pop into a small little role there but um, I thought Dave Franco had kind of a thankless job as Greg he did a good job but there's really not much to say about him he just plays this kind of bland overly nice guy who's who seems like he lets Tommy walk all over him a, a fair bit because well that's probably 
what basically happened. Yeah, exactly. And uh, just uh, there's this, this moment in the film without because uh, it's based on the novel or not the novel, the book the, that uh, Greg wrote. Yes, they call it the Disaster Artist about behind the scenes of the room. And um, there's a scene where he's there with his girlfriend, Greg, leaving this uh, cafe or something. He runs into Brian Cranston when Malcolm in the Middle was still on the air. And Brian Cranston, his friends, or knows his girlfriend and basically offers him a job on TV. Yeah. Could be one of his first big roles. And uh, basically he needs to have his beard on, or his beard. But uh, Tommy won't let him take the day off to go shoot this thing. And he needs him to shave his beard off for the scene that he won't let him take off. And it's just one of these moments there where it's like, why didn't he walk away? Why did he let him do this? And But he lets him, spoiler, he stays behind. He has to shave off his beard and that chance goes gone. But that, for me, that was the tough, one of the toughest parts. That when he's verbally abusing uh, mm-hmm. the, the female actress for their uh, <laughs> Titanic shot sex scene. <laughs> just absolutely bizarre. But... Um, what did you think, though, Kale? Because you had no basis for the 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 original source material. Did you find you were missing out, or that there was no sort of like all you were seeing was just like someone acting goofy on screen and making a silly movie? I don't think so. Um, no. Yeah. So it's one of these things where it's also like the the made a movie. Somebody was comparing it to Ed Wood about these characters, like these weird personalities that managed to make these uh, movies that are deeply personal to them but when you lack the talent to do it it's um, it turns into a disaster in this case but he definitely had the money which was one of the most interesting parts of the movie is like he's in San Francisco and then he tells him oh I've also got a place in LA that I'm not there very often oh I've also driving this he's driving this Mercedes around all over the place and he's also just buying up expensive cameras and he's paying the salaries of all these people. There's a scene where Seth Rogen goes cash a check, and he's not even expecting it to go through, but he actually gets it. And then for some reason, the bank teller gives him actual money. <laughs> and he's no, he responds to him and says that this this account is quote unquote bottomless, which is interesting. So, what do you think? Like uh, Eastern European royalty or uh, some sort of like? Uh... <laughs> I don't know. Possibly yeah. he. Um, so the movie came out. Just in December or November? I think it premiered a little while ago, but now it's kind of hit uh, uh, mass release. Okay, so uh, obviously the film finished before it uh, before this year. So just this year, um, Tommy Wiseau was interviewed uh, on Jimmy Kimmel Live saying that he was originally from Europe. Oh, admitting. he admitted it. Yes, and then in an interview with New York Times uh, earlier in November, he said, long story short, I grew up in Europe a long time ago, but I'm American and very proud of it. Okay, so there you go. came so- from Europe. We all knew. That. I think most people had basically <laughs> decided that already that he was some from somewhere in Eastern Europe, and then he yeah. was obviously older than he claimed because he said he was the same age as Greg. He and would at the never time, admit Greg to was like it. nineteen. Yeah, yeah. It was clear that he was not nineteen. Baby face. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, it's uh, it's just one of these mysteries that are kind of fun to have uh, floating around, and adds to this mystique of this strange man, Frankenstein, <laughs> Dracula. He just didn't want to be the villain, Kayla. So on that note. We are done. Yet another episode of Android's Dungeon on CFRU 93.3 FM. Cozy Christmas games. It's almost Christmas time. Do your shopping. Find some good games, folks. Don't get lazy. Don't buy Munchkin or some cruddy version of Monopoly. There's tons of good stuff out there. Be nice to each other. Play some really aggressive, mean games, though. But be nice to each other in the game. No, don't, actually. Be mean to each other in the game, but be nice to each other outside of the game. I'm Jack. I'm Kayla. Have a great day.